Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back, Redheads, to another episode of the Redheads Book Club June edition. Wow, you guys, we are halfway through the year with this episode, right? That would be six books. That's wow, crazy to yeah. think about. Crazy. I can't believe it's our June episode. This is nuts. We're recording earlier than we typically do because we have the big holiday weekend coming up and people are busy with their fabulous plans. So we are recording a little sooner, which is always fun to see my girly swirlies sooner than expected. How's everyone doing today? Bex, how are you? How's our bride-to-be? Oh my goodness, I'm great. Thanks so much for asking. Actually, right before we were recording, I was doing some honeymoon research planning participation with our travel agent. Oh, where are you thinking about going? Well, we're going to Africa, which I'm so excited about. I was really hoping for like a real once-in-a-lifetime trip, and neither Evan nor I have been to Africa, unsurprisingly. And there's an opportunity to trek with gorillas in Uganda. So I'm taking advantage of that because what? So I'm really excited. That's so fun. We'll have to schedule redheads accordingly that month. We absolutely will. I mean, it's going to be a a wild time, but we've done it before. We can do it again. Oh, yeah. We're flexible. We're a flex bunch. We did um, some flexibility around Dana's honeymoon. We actually recorded the day I got back. It like fell on the perfect time. I got married November 13th, so we were fine with the November 1st deadline of the thir- first Thursday. And then I got back before December 1st. So like it was, I remember being wow. like, oh my God, this is perfect. That's a wow. good redhead. You're so loyal, Dana. <laughs> Thanks for planning your wedding around our recording schedule. Well, it was crazy because all I did on my honeymoon was read. I read like 20 books and then I had the redheads for last because I was landing and like going to the recording studio and I was like, got to bang this out the whole plane ride. Good thing I have eight hours. Yeah. And I think it was Midnight Library that yep. month. So that's yeah, like it was an Midnight easy Library. Read. Yeah. Nice. Well, Dana, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Jax. I have um, some travel upcoming, henceforth the early recording. I have a wedding in Ojai this weekend and a wedding in Park City, Utah the following weekend. So staying out West Coast, doing a nice little L.A. trip. She's so fancy. Where is Ojai? California. Oh. I always think about like the Red, (laughs) not the Redheads. I think about like the Real Housewives. Like they used to like do trips to Ojai. Mm. And Ojai was referenced in this book a few times, which I wouldn't have picked up upon if I wasn't going. So true, it was. Yes, his like, her, his first, Evie's mother. Yeah, Evie's mother, yes. Lives there. Well, I'm excited for your trip. Thank you for joining us. Snitch, how are you? 
I'm good. Thanks for asking. Um, I Taylor Swift is taking over my Memorial Day weekend, and I wouldn't have it any other way. So jealous. I know. Um, I'm actually really excited to be in the city for, like, Memorial Day weekend. I just, like, I'm excited for the city to be empty and for, like, me to just, like, like, rest and just enjoy. Like, I'm just not in the mood to, like, you know, go to the Hamptons. Um, And then I have – I'm going to Toronto next weekend. I have a wedding, which should be really fun. And then um, just kind of, like, living life, you know? That's so great. And now that the Redheads is your one and only podcast in your life – is there anything that you've been feeling like you want to podcast about that you have to share with us because you don't have another podcast to talk about it on? No, you know, I'm kind of enjoying like having a sliver of privacy. <laughs> okay, well, you Tell just know like, us. if there's ever anything that you want to talk about or any like a take that you have, just anything that you're like, I should say that on my podcast, like this is now the time and the platform. Right, 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 right. Like when I have news to share, like I shouldn't share it on my Instagram, like I'll share it. No, it doesn't even have to be news. It could just be like, a funny thought you had okay you know what that's a good point I should start like a notes app because I won't remember okay if but, you just put me on the spot like right now but there is news from today and that is that it's Magnolia's birthday it is Magnolia's happy birthday. birthday Magnolia happy birthday you know Magnolia you know what is my confession <laughs> is that I don't really know when her birthday is because I like I can't remember if it's one day after Michaela's or two but since her inception, I've been celebrating it on this day. So I'm going to assume, like, for her first birthday, I had the right facts. And it's the 24th. But, like, it could be the 23rd. I'm not entirely sure. So it, I think it's Magnolia's birthday. Wow. I did not expect that from you. That you I might know. not know. I, I kept getting confused. I have her paperwork somewhere. Like, I'll find it. But, yeah, it is Magnolia's birthday. She's three years old. I literally want to die. Um, it's actually, like, the worst day of my life. So... Thanks for asking. Is well, it very common? Yeah, we're so here for you, Snitch. Is it common that like every dog owner knows their dog's birthday? Like it does not go unnoticed. If you're a good, if you're a good dog owner, no. Well, some dog owners don't if they've adopted or rescued their oh, pups. Oh, that's different. But then they celebrate their Gotcha Day. It's called Gotcha Got it, Day, right. and it's the day that they got them. What's Bruno's birthday? August fifteenth. Mommy's angel. Mommy's king is turning three. <laughs> mommy's love. Mommy's one. But by the way, I celebrate my gotcha day, too. Oh, of course. Same. <laughs> August 2nd. I don't remember August my gotcha 2nd. day, but Time Hop lets me know when it's the anniversary Got of it. getting Mommy's Angel, Mommy's King. <laughs> so funny. Okay, so it seems like the girls are doing well. The girls are girling. Jack, and how are we... you? How are you? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. I mean, people hear from me all day, every day on Toast, on Instagram stories. I'm just. But it's never you know, enough. There's... There's not a lot of mystery there. But I have been keeping, like, my book opinions to myself to save them for the redheads. So I'm excited to get into this episode. And also, like, not to brag, but Snitch and I got bedazzled Kindle scribes from Amazon. And so my reading mm-hmm. experience has been kind of elevated over the last few weeks. And that's really been a highlight of my month. Wait, you guys, I saw those and I've never been more jealous in my life. They're so yeah. sickening. They're so I've sick. Been- They're huge. It's the new Kindle. They're it's called humongous. the Kindle Scribe. It's literally like the size of a sheet of printer paper. And I've read the last two books that of that I've read on it. And it's a totally different reading experience and I'm really enjoying it. 
I wouldn't say that like you have to get this one over the Oasis or the Paperwhite because I do think like Same. in all areas of life, like, like you could only have one Kindle. I think like the Oasis is or the Paperwhite. I love them both, honestly. Like go with that one. But I'm really enjoying this. I feel like it's the perfect like by your bed sized Kindle. Not necessarily for travel. You're not like right. bringing it to the beach. It's not a travel Kindle. No, it is it's like a huge. bed Kindle. It's but now hate. my other Kindle can be a travel Kindle, which is nice. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Great. Well, let's get into this month's episode because we read Edvika and the Hollywood Wives by Kirthano Ramasetti. It was a Jackie's Choice. That's me. And I'm going to give you a summary of the book quickly because I do every month except for last month. And you know what? Last month, like... I felt like something was off in the episode and I felt like we jumped into the questions so quickly and I was like oh I guess I'm just like I don't know I just I was like oh maybe like we're boring today or something I felt like something was missing I had no idea it was like the whole last segment where I summarized the book (laughs) and so I really apologize for that but honestly no one else even noticed none of us realized no but what was on my mind is I so badly wanted to talk about book news that was like all that was on my mind and then I forgot Mm. to even bring up book news until the end so I was like where are any of us? Well, so we had planned on doing like a t- us uh, segment of book news like at the top of the show. But there's not always book news. But honestly, there actually is huge book news this month. And it is Blake Lively as Lily Bloom. Uh, and just All like over my TikTok. The disappointment in the images that we're seeing emerging from it ends with us. Like honestly, book news is kind of the biggest news right now. It's the only news. Any thoughts? It's, anyone Anyone feel like this was the, uh, these looks are good? It's just like, I feel like it has to all be a prank, you know? <laughs> like, they are clowning us, and then they're going to be like, ha-ha, bitch, you thought. But, like, or is, I'm just so confused. Like, why would Colleen Hoover, like, do this to her book? Do you know what I mean? Unless they're not giving her, like, any sort of say. I don't think you get a ton of say once you sign the rights away, and... I think she's just so grateful. Like, she's actually made it to movie. Like, she's the biggest, romantic, most beautiful star in the world starring in her movie. Like, who is she to complain? But someone at the studio, like, is trying to sabotage this movie. Also, yeah, but, like, I feel like Jenny Han, do you know who she is? She wrote, like, To All the Boys I've Loved Before. She's The Summer I Turned Pretty. Like, she that XO Kitty show that just came out on Netflix. Like, she's so involved. So, like, I feel like there's a world in which, as the writer, you can be involved. I don't think it's by choice. It's a it's a luxury that not everyone gets. Mm-hmm. Depends on who you're working with. Like, I, I think some authors get a ton of say and others kind of have to go with what the studio wants. Well, the studio's dumb. Okay, I haven't that's for read sure. this book. It's You should read it. It's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Is this the first one? Or is it the second one? Like, there's a starts with us and it ends with us? It ends with it us. It ends with us first. came first. Okay. Yeah. Read that. Okay. Okay, so now let's get into the summary of Advika and the Hollywood Wives, which is about our protagonist, Advika. She is a girly. She's about 27, and the book opens, and her life is – she's in a really rough spot. Her twin sister, like, the love of her life, died tragically, like, two or three years before and she is just still in the throes of grief she hasn't been able to get her career into any semblance of a place that she wants it to be she's working at a waitress at an as a waitress at an oscars party 
And that is where she meets a big Hollywood director named Julian Zeldig, who is also old. He's an old man. He's about 68, but he's like showering Advika with all of these compliments and attention and is just like dead set on taking her out and dating her and wifing her up in three months. And Advika is in such a place in her life and really lonely and she's isolated herself for a number of reasons from the people that she loves in her life that all of this adventure is kind of the exact distraction that she needs and it's kind of a band-aid for how she's feeling in her personal life. So Advika and Julian get married and after that things start to unravel there are some red flags along the way that she either willfully ignores or is able to paint as something positive but Julian's first wife dies and it becomes headline news that she's left it in her will that if Julian's current wife will divorce him she will give him a million she will give that wife a million dollars and a film reel we don't know what's on the film reel obviously something juicy so this makes Advika just think like maybe Julian's not the person that I thought he was and she goes on this whole quest to try and understand Julian's relationships with his ex-wives what went wrong between them what was Julian's role in all of that and as the book unfolds she realizes that he is just like this crazy ass control freak who likes to find women who are in different positions and places in their career but all of them really sort of beneath him and he likes to find their spark take it for himself and then snuff it out within them and just leave them you know further away from where they started so with his first wife from her from her he took like her shine her connections she had so much potential and he took it all for himself and then like forced her to make movies that weren't right for her from his second wife she was a singer songwriter and she was very you know casual about the kind of song she wanted to she didn't want to be like a big pop machine making artist but he made her make like corny ass pop music that wasn't right for her made her disavow like from her heritage and not talk about who she really was and just be like some cookie cutter pop artist and she hated that and would rather not work at all than be that his third wife had a little bit more power over him than some of the other wives just because she was so such a big personality but um I don't really understand like what exactly went wrong between them yeah we'll get into it I kind each, of agree. each situation was like kind of different but she kind of was the only one who came out a little bit on top from him and she went out to, on to have like a career in the reality tv world but had to do it in London because like you know she, Julian would have closed every door to her in Hollywood and then he meets Advika and by this point he's 67 she's about 27 she is an aspiring screenwriter but has not done any screenwriting professionally she's just won a contest and She's really passionate about some of the things that she's worked on, but they haven't gotten seen by any of the right people. And so he promises to, you know, help her with her career. And, and he actually is, send, you know, setting her backwards and then also saying like, oh, maybe it's not right for you. Let's just have a baby. And so the big wind up with the book is that he's like this bad guy, obviously very controlling and just really wants all of his wives to like have his baby and it's kind of pressuring them into doing that. So that's kind of like one of the big reveals, which yeah. um, I didn't quite, didn't like quite register for me as being like this crazy big thing. Because I feel like it shouldn't be that hard when you're like an old successful man, period, that like to find a woman who wants to have your babies. Also, not to mention, like, maybe just talk about it first with, right. with no, the I young feel wife. Like- because there's so many young women who want to be like young mothers and he could find one. Right. But who like just want to be moms who don't want to work like uh, that. There was... are women out there. So there are so many women out there. So but I feel like he also wanted someone who he could take from like take their creativity take their ideas 
because it turns out another plot twist is that he's actually a plagiarist and all of the accolades that he's received like he doesn't really deserve his first Oscar was based on a scene that he stole from someone else that was Evie's big secret and the film reel that she had to share and um then Edvika moves to France and it actually turned out that she was pregnant with Julian's baby and she leaves him before he ever knows she spends like the next four years hiding her child and then Julian dies and she is free to live her life as she wants also a big part of Edvika's story is her heritage she's Indian American and that plays a lot into like her relationship with to marriage her relationship with her parents but it all stems from this tragedy with her sister that that kind of like drove a wedge between her and the people that she loved more than anyone her parents and her friends and her sister um and she kind of had to like turn from all of that because it was too painful for her at one point but then within the novel she turns back to her original support system of her friends and her parents and once you know she leaves Julian for good she's able to have a good relationship with her parents and like be at peace with who she is so there's a lot of different layers and themes to the book if we still did our theme section you know there are so so many but we don't do that anymore we go to the dbqs but before we do I want to know what you guys thought of the book because I don't know we haven't really talked about it I'll go first because it was my choice and I want to say like I I didn't dread like picking up the book at all. I actually feel like I got through it in like three days. I was reading in like huge chunks at a time and I felt like the beginning kind of sucked me in pretty quickly. Like I like this story idea. I liked Advika as a narrator and a protagonist and I'm down for like you know her to be wooed and wined and dined by an old rich man. And I feel like it was strong at the start and then it kind of veered into like where the fuck is this going and then yeah. it started to like kind of get good again when it's like okay we're gonna investigate the ex-wives we're gonna find out what Julian is about and I was really into it but then as like things were starting to come out and we were like investigating I was like this isn't it and I also I think it was a really hard main character to root for because she made a lot of like really fucking dumb decisions and did a lot of things that I think most of us wouldn't have done or didn't do things that most of us would have done like a simple Google search a bunch of other stuff there were some good reasons for why she didn't do certain things but on the whole I was just like you've got to be smarter than this especially because I thought she was like a she is a smart girl she is like a smart protagonist and she's very driven and hardworking. so I just felt like at times it was like oh Edvika's gonna fumble this so while I had like a lot of sympathy for her as a main character and I feel like the underlying theme of grief was really well written and like really explained so much of like how she was so lost and turned to this guy you know maybe at a different point in her life she never would have wound up in this situation ultimately like it the plane didn't totally land for me and I thought that the epilogue like actually was one of the worst parts of the book so I liked it at times, but I didn't love it because it just, it fell off the rails too many times for me. Bex, what did you think? I couldn't agree more with that analysis. I was pulled in immediately from the start. I thought that it was going to turn into something that it didn't. And it felt just a little discombobulated for me. And I couldn't totally get behind like why Advika was going so hard into unpacking the past of these wives like I'm not sure 
I'm not sure I connected so deeply to like any of their plights, even though like the more she unpacked, the more I realized that like Julian is a twisted dude. But like, I guess I didn't realize when she started the journey. I'm like, you're like going balls to the walls, full steam ahead on like ruining your marriage to this man. And I didn't think originally that it was like such a bad predicament that she found herself in. I was like, it's not like she was this discovered talent and she her career was booming. You know, like, she seriously – and whether or not we know that for a fact, but, like, he sort of unveiled at the end. He's like, no, you're, like, honestly not that good at writing. Not <laughs> sure know, if I believe him. But, like, at I, the end, I was crazy. like, is she even a good writer? Like, we right. actually didn't hear from anyone else. I guess she did win that competition once. But the fact that she didn't even wind up screenwriting at the end of the epilogue, like, she had her life to herself and that wasn't even what she wanted to do, I was like – maybe you're not the writer I thought you were and like fought to get the rights to her stuff that she never materialized into anything truly so I completely agree with your analysis that she was a hard character to get behind and cut to root for and it it was it was not at all for me you know like I didn't I didn't hate picking it up but I was like what is even happening here like why are we going so deep into each of these pasts I'm like just just like honestly like cozy up in that backyard it seems lit back there or like have a a conversation with him there was not any communication between them and I'm like you might not be that old but like you do have the ability to communicate with your now husband and like I think we should just unpack some of these thoughts that you're feeling yeah like I really like the concept for the book and I think there was a lot of potential but it was kind of fumbled and I think the big reveals like weren't as revealing or crazy as you would think thousand percent Dana what did you think I echo all of those sentiments you all took the words out of my mouth I was down to (laughs) I was down for them to dig into the wife's pasts like that didn't bother me just as Jack said There were no bombshells. I didn't care. Like, unpopular opinion, I kind of felt justice for Julian. I didn't (laughs) think he was that bad. I really didn't. Like, okay. No, Dana, same. (laughs) Like, uh, guru in Hollywood wielding his power is not that atypical. These women weren't abused. They led very nice lives. Like, they all got out of it and kind of did what they wanted to do. I know they were all scared he'd stop them if they stayed, but no one stayed to find that out. And... As we all said, Advika didn't have much going for her. Like, she had a lot going against her. She had a shitload of credit card debt. She was about to get evicted. She had no prospects. Like, it was kind of the perfect solution to all of her problems. And all of those Google searches that she did, do it before you get married. And what you found wasn't that shocking and her reactions were painful every reaction was like my body went numb I had goosebumps I can't believe that he didn't really write his own script I'm like I don't care this happens all the time and I thought the fact that she had his baby when that was all he wanted his entire life and didn't say anything the punishment didn't fit the crime like poor Julian if only he had known maybe he would have reacted poorly and I get why she did it but that just felt like a huge injustice and last thing I'll say is that 
I did not hate picking it up at all. I did agree with you, Jax, that the concept was good and it had the makings of like a solid foundation. The writing, though, at the end just became so verbose. Like, keep it simple, stupid kiss. The writer needed to realize that very easy device and like everything was overly detailed overly shared and irrelevant like if you're gonna pour all these adjectives and details on me at least have it be integral to the plot like I don't need to know that she looked up from her blanket and the cat left her foot and then it was cold and then she ordered food and then she had pizza instead like (laughs) it wasn't pertinent to the situation Dana let me just pile on really quickly to that when she and Vic went to see um olive at the coffee shop and then she decided to stay in the car and then she had to (laughs) she was trying to seatbelt put her seatbelt on for actually five minutes they referred back to her trying to get the seatbelt on I was like is this relevant? Like, where where are we going? No, I with thought, it? like, for sure, yeah. There, every, every time she was in the car and like talking about being in the car, and there's a car in front of them, I'm like, it's paparazzi. It's true. Yes, yes. And by the way, at no point was the paparazzi ever fucking following her. Like, and the fact that she <laughs> fell for like, I have to stay home because the paparazzi are hounding me. Like, she couldn't even get her picture taken. Like, it was just couldn't so get arrested. Extra. Completely agree. That was Snitch, incredible. Dana. I am. <laughs> Snitch, I'm so, so curious what you thought. This was literally the best book I've ever read. (laughs) Really? No. Are you fucking kidding? This book, like, I have never hated a main character so much. Like, in just, like, reading it, I was like, you are making such poor decisions. Like, Like, I understand something terrible happened to you. I've had something terrible happen to me too. It doesn't make you stupid. Like she, you're a fully formed adult. Like why, like just, I don't understand. Like she met this man and like on date two, she's like, she's like, she Googles and I guess he sees and he's like, don't Google me. Like, just like talk to me. And she, and she just takes that. I have face value. But she, she like, oh, but and she, doesn't she doesn't even talk, talk to him. And she doesn't even talk to him. And Britt, that's what I was going to say. When you were like that, she didn't even communicate. It's so true. Like, she just like created this narrative of him in her head and just like chose to fully believe it and then went gung ho on like proving it to be true without being like, you know, like, let's have a conversation about it. Like, let him prove himself wrong. But she just like went so full force. What I will say is that she has such amazing friends. I and, was like, so yeah. pissed about the way she treated those friends. Yeah. yeah. Like you're blocking them. What did you they guys, do? When she gave Olive the diamonds, and then she said she didn't see Olive for a while. I was like, "Bitch, I hope that Olive took these fucking diamonds and sold yeah. them herself and got herself out of debt and like made her movie." And then that's not even what happened. I'm like, "Why are these people so damn loyal to you?" Yeah, so she was true. a terrible friend. She was a terrible. She was friend. a terrible friend, but she had such good friends. I was glad that she did. But the fact that like when she didn't know if she should marry Julian, she called like her old roommate who she never even had a conversation with when there are literally people who love you so so much and like just want to be there for you I I just could not Jackie not only that she called her old roommate and then blamed the marriage on said oh my god (laughs) that was next fucking level I was like delusional I was like are you being sarcastic and Olive's like uh you told me he was rich and hot like I good to you yeah yeah and then you loved him She's like, but well, you, you told him. me to do it. You told me to do it. So I did it. Yeah. It was it was all in all, like, really, really she crazy. She was unlikable. And I would, she was unlikable. I can't – I don't think she was meant to be unlikable, but I don't know how you couldn't, like, poke so many fucking holes 
in everything that was going on. Also, I felt like there was, like, a lot of things that was just kind of, like, left, um, like, unturned. I don't know Loose what the word is. I didn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They turned every stone. No. Every no, single the fourth stone. wife. The fourth wife hardly. Oh, yeah. The fuck was that? Oh, the fuck. Why even mention Wait, her? Wait, by the way, the fuck was that? But also, did anyone else, like, get the vibe when the story was being told that he, like, murdered killed some bitches yeah, murdered nova <laughs> that he killed nova yeah yeah, yeah. and then it's yeah, like yeah what, where that because like she was leaving him she had a plan she was ready to go and then all of a sudden like with a weekend that her like friend and mom are supposed to come like she overdoses and dies yeah no yeah that was Same like oh like, so he killed her and, and but then it's like he also wanted a child more than anything and she was pregnant Wait, and then wasn't yeah. there something else about a child? With the director. With, no, with oh. Victoria. Remember, and it was like rock a baby as like the end scene of the reality show. You are right that there were so many things left unexplained. Like even, oh, she's just such an idiot. <laughs> like when Julian said the paparazzi found her going into Evie's friend's house. And then Olive's like, by the way, you probably just hired a detective. Like, the paparazzi aren't following you. And she's like, I didn't even think no, she about was like, that. Sh- but then they never explored it no, deeper. He said that. And, like, he never found he out. He said she that. Went. And she was like, don't put thoughts in my head. Like, as though that could never possibly be true, which it probably was. <laughs> yeah. You already put, you already made me marry this man. <laughs> <laughs> no, and she didn't consider, like, he's tracking her phone, which is literally so easy. He, her car, her computer. Like, you guys, she was, when she, when she goes to France and then she's like Julian stop tracking me he's like bitch I literally just looked at our credit card statement and <laughs> yeah, I told yeah, that she yeah. bought a flight to France also by the way wasn't her plan for him to track her and find her yes yeah yes, she was yes, just yes, like yes, yes. she was just saying that but uh yeah she wanted to be found but yeah like where were you going that sorry he also I have another thing that made no sense to me when that whole when that whole thing was going down in the hotel room with Julian and her, and she, the whole thing with her phone, and she was standing by the door so she could hear the elevator, right? And it's like, who's what? Mm-hmm. What's happening? Like, who's coming up? Like, blah blah. But then once he actually leaves, no one came. It just coincidentally, this like group of dancers was outside. <laughs> No, so she just wanted there to be witnesses when he was leaving oh. so that, like, he wouldn't try anything. But literally throughout <laughs> the book, he never tried anything once except to get a hand job during the Oh, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, and, which, like, literally, like, he apologized for. Yeah. yeah. No, Julian is a stand-up guy. <laughs> no, no. Well, he's, like, not the best guy, but, like, this whole book, the whys and everything for this big secret of, like, he just desperately wanted a child and, like, wanted a wife that was going to stay at home and be a mom. Yeah. Like, it's just not that crazy when there are literally millions of girls who would sign up today to be a rich stay-at-home Also. Mom. Yep. And he wasn't even that controlling. He let her, like, go crash at Olive's every single day. He tried to get her to go on his work trip, but she said no, and he pushed a little, but then he's like, okay, fine. Like, she was not held hostage. No. No. Yeah. You know, she, like, literally thought there was something happening that wasn't, but the things that were happening, like, she wasn't even seeing correct yes that <laughs> she she literally developed a crime scene in her mind and she was like pandering to it I'm like girlfriend you're good like you can walk out that front door whenever, whenever. just because like you have a staff that waits on you a little excessively like no and what's it's like so bad about that the staff literally like the whole time it was like, what was that woman's name Not Aggie Mona. Aggie like Aggie's doing this Aggie's doing that like Aggie never did anything. Aggie's doing her job. She's bringing you. Aggie tried to make 
they built this suspense with Mona's actually the one behind the scenes. And like, why don't I ever see his assistant? And then nothing came of that. Mona's literally yeah. like, yo, let's shop and chill. <laughs> M- Mona's like, M- Mona I'll buy you whatever wife. you want. Literally. Also, like, can we just talk about the film reel? Because, like, that's yeah. what it was. Who cares? Who fucking cares? Like, boo fucking who? Like, also, by the way, he should have let it get out. Because it's like, whatever, that's one movie that he plagiarized. Like, he had a million more. No, and also, what was so horrible between Evie and Julian that she needed to leave, like, all of her money to his current child bride when i read that headline i was like there's a child bride (laughs) it's just like so what happened between them and and then when advika's like trying to find out what happened between them like she discovers just a bad movie like (laughs) he's guilty of making a bad movie yeah she's like oh my god he's a bad actor yeah and a bad director okay so that's what she found out but like then Evie wound up leaving him because like he was stifling her career he was making he, he obviously has bad taste made bad choices for her whether intentionally or unintentionally and like she couldn't get anywhere and out from under his thumb so like that's just like your nasty ex-husband 50 years later you want to leave his current <laughs> wife a million dollars to leave him right same Girl. talk Jack, about like it made no sense talk about something that would never fucking happen leaving a million dollars a million it's like this is the first divorce that's ever graced hollywood she's like this can never happen again i'm like lady this happens all the time evie like yeah they just like needed a way to make it more sympathetic to advika if she left for the reader to be like she'll still be okay by the way you guys advika was like living dollar to dollar <laughs> her parents got a fat settlement from I know. her sister i was like must you like torture your daughter after she, after you flee the country i'm not making any judgments that must have been horrible but like help a sister out a yeah. little i feel like they would have helped her honestly but i think she didn't ask for help and i was actually so I read the um, author's note at the end. I don't know if anyone else did. And a few things jumped out to me that actually made me like the book more. First of all, I was saying this on the toast today. But this author started writing this book. She had been watching old seasons of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And she saw a dynamic between a couple where, like, the husband was kind of just, like, you know, critical of the wife and just dismissive. And um, then that aired so long ago, she went and Googled them. And they have since divorced. And he's married to his fifth wife. So she was like why would this fifth wife like engage like doesn't she already know so that was kind of like where Advika was born from and do you know who the couple was that inspired this book do I know them Yolanda David and Yolanda Foster yeah and then David Foster married Catherine McPhee McPhee. so I just I that made me like the book more to think like that is an interesting thought process to have I don't feel that way about Catherine and David I think they're a match made in heaven but I'm also like so delusional um yeah delusional Amazing that that's literally the inspiration for this book. <laughs> Real yes. Housewives episode. Yeah, he was like a big producer. Julian's a big director. Um, so that's where the inspiration came from. But she also said she always wants to write. The author is Indian. And she this is her second book. And both prota- both protagonists of both books are Indian American. And that she's always going to write from the point of view of an Indian American. And she wanted to write like this May-December romance between uh, this David Foster type and her protagonist. But it would be hard to do because most um, Indian American families would never allow their Mm. daughter, friend, sister, anyone 
this would never happen would never get that far where she's marrying a man like without her family's consent like that's just like not how it goes so she had to alienate Advika from her family in order to get the ball rolling on this book which I I found to be like a very interesting helpful factoid would have loved to know that during (laughs) I know but how could you have yeah I don't without you know without breaking the fourth wall a thousand percent I agree though that adds some crucial context yeah because of course I want to poke holes in everything with the sister and why she why her family would turn on her at that time and maybe even she should go back with them like because and why she would turn from her friends but she needed like she just had to isolate herself so the author just had to isolate her and we're isolated and we're isolated and we're isolated okay we need to get into the dbqs okay uh since we've actually said it we talked about so many things so far so maybe I'll trim down some of the questions but we've got to get into the dbqs and I can't ask the questions without letting you know that today's episode is brought to you by Virtual Book Tour. So Virtual Book Tour is Book of the Month's podcast. We all know Book of the Month. It's an amazing book subscription service where they select some of the best books of the month and you can choose one to read. You subscribe. Actually, Avika and the Hollywood Wives was a Book of the Month book, as was Hester. So many Redheads books have been Book of the Month books. But Virtual Book Tour is their podcast, which features a series of conversations between Book of the Month's editorial team and Book of the Month featured authors. On Virtual Book Tour, listeners can learn more about their Book of the Month picks and the fantastic authors who write them. They're out to get answers to hard-hitting questions like, why are we all so obsessed with stories about murder? You can expect candid conversations about the book's themes and inspirations, as well as insight into the author's life and career. Honestly, this podcast is like the perfect combination of the redheads and then also author takes on the book and like getting behind the scenes information and and book of the month is like such a huge platform that they get the best authors Lori Lico Albanese who authored Hester was on the episode and it it was so cool to hear more about the real world research that she did when writing about the Scarlet Letter retelling so listen to virtual book tour available on Spotify and Apple podcasts it is an awesome book club podcast I often see people in the Redheads Facebook group looking for podcasts that are similar to the Redheads because we all just like like to talk about books all the time virtual book tour is the one also today's episode is brought to you by Natural Diamond Council do you think you know diamonds probably not as much as you think Over a billion years old, the natural diamond is still very much a part of the present. Our engagement rings, the gift from a partner, or the jewelry we buy to celebrate a win sparks a lot of joy. But did you know that stone is connected to 10 million people around the world? From Canada to Africa to Australia, the impact of the natural diamond industry is huge, providing healthcare, building schools, and roads to to remote communities worldwide. Your natural diamond saves threatened species like the African elephant from extinction and protects more land than Paris, London, and New York City combined. Each natural diamond promises a more sparkling future for generations to come. Discover so many more natural diamond truths at naturaldiamonds.com slash thank you. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we love diamonds here. We're diamond girlies over at the Redheads. And it's so cool to learn more about where they come from. So you can learn more about natural diamonds and the truth about them at naturaldiamonds.com slash thank you. Now let's get into the questions. First question. Edvika tells Julian that what she loves most about movies is their structure. 
The rising action, the falling action, the resolution, I can follow it like a line on my palm. When nothing else in the world is predictable, you can anticipate when each story beat will begin. Nothing else in the world feels more comfortable to me than knowing the rhymes of a movie. Sorry, the rhythms of a movie. She also loves the ways in which movies open up people's worlds because films awaken the imagination. Do you share Advika's opinions? If not, what do you love most about movies or storytelling in general? So movies was a huge theme in the episode. Advika loves movies. Julian makes movies. He steals movies. She writes <laughs> movies. Um, what did you think about the way that the author wrote, wove like movie, movie themes? Even sometimes like Advika would be kissing Julian and like imagining what the soundtrack to that scene would be, which I thought was like a cute device. I feel like people actually do that sometimes and it's it's just like a cute creative activity. But beyond that, what did you guys think? And the title of each chapter was often a movie title or maybe exclusively movie title. Sometimes I didn't recognize, but it would be like Love Actually or You've Got Mail. Same. Oh, that's cute. I missed that completely. I I thought it was ironic that her reason for loving movies was its structure when this chick had the worst ADHD I've ever (laughs) experienced and could not go from point A to point B without sending on us such a whirlwind journey. So I actually stood out to me that quote like I thought about it the whole book how she loves movies because of their structure and I couldn't follow her story but I thought it was like a a kind of interesting answer in general like the reason I love movies has nothing to do with like Mm -hmm. rising action climax falling action I just like the story and like the character development and the relationship so it was kind of a fresh perspective so funny you say that because I felt similarly when she said that I was like I feel like my favorite part of the movie is a suspenseful moment or a surprise curveball or something I wasn't anticipating so like I feel sort of the exact opposite of this quotation yeah because I don't want it to follow any specific rhythm and that's I yeah I actually had the thought I was like she should go into mathematics like what she's describing of structure and rhythm like and hardcore and like facts doesn't feel like the reason people love movies she should go into compliance (laughs) Yeah, I agree. Sometimes it was heavy-handed. Other times it was like a cute theme and premise for a book about Hollywood and two creatives creating. Next, Advika tells Julian that one of her favorite movies is the 2002 soccer film Bent It Like Beckham, starring Parminder Nagra, Kira Knightley, and Jonathan Rhys Myers, and how much it meant to her to see someone who looked like her represented as a protagonist on the big screen. Why do you feel it's important for people of all ages to see themselves represented in popular media? I thought that was such a good reference. Best I, movie I mean, ever. I remember when that movie came out. I feel like we were the just like at, we were so young when it came out, but we were also like old enough to appreciate it. And it, there were so many other movies that were cited throughout the book that, like, I'm sure what might have enhanced my reading of this book if I knew what they mm-hmm. were. Just like, you know, uh, even when they called uh, when Julian's. Uh, former director's daughter called her like uh Elizabeth Taylor's last husband's name like maybe if I knew that in the moment I would have been more impacted by the insult but in this moment like I totally could understand Edvika's love of movies and like why seeing herself or someone that looks like her on the screen and people who remind her of her family and just like her culture and her heritage like why that would be so awesome and inspiring for her and I thought that was just a great reference and also just a great fucking movie And I loved how forthcoming she was about that response. And she was so prideful of the reason why it meant so much to her. And I felt like that was like a beautiful connection that they shared and like a moment where she was very honest with Julian. And I was like, would love a little more of this. Yeah, totally. 
she definitely did like successfully exhibit her passion for movies yeah. even if she didn't end up being a great writer or like she was flawed in other ways she did know everything about the industry yeah Next, Edvika hears Anu's voice in her head, her sister, throughout the novel. From the earliest glimpses of Anu, how did you understand Edvika's relationship with her sister? Did your opinion change when you read that, quote, to lose Anu and Mordevika so severely that two years after Anu's death, she pictured herself bobbing in the ocean like the movie with the scuba diving couple abandoned in open water as great white sharks circled underneath them? What? How did this scene make you feel? I'm going to change the question to ask you, what did you think about like Anu's voice like uh, on her shoulder throughout the book? I actually loved it. I felt like it was the I voice. I loved of, her. I loved her. I felt like it was the voice of the reader, like saying the real yes. things, asking the true questions. Yeah. Like being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like get it together. Yeah, I, I loved it too. I loved that part as well. I thought they interwove her voice very well. I would say yeah. the only time I didn't love it was when she flew to France and was meeting with Evie's lawyer and the voice was like, oh, bummer, he's married. He's so hot. I was like, wait, you're married. This is a deep moment. You don't need to be like silently hitting on this man. I did think Advika and Vic were going to get together. Same. And then I thought Vic and Olive were going to get together. Same. And then, and then nobody got together. <laughs> right. Shocker. The book yeah. fell flat. Loss is a predominant theme of the novel. Advika has tremendously a difficult time moving on from her sister's death, and she has a strained relationship with her parents because of the way, in her eyes, they fled from their grief after Anu passed. Do you believe there is a right or wrong way to grieve? How in your own life have you processed and coped with these kinds of feelings? I'd rather not talk about my personal grief, however. Um, I think that, I also think it's unfair to say that they fled. Like, they wanted to go home. Yeah, and I like I, I I can't even not that it's a competition, but like I can't even think of who who Had it, it was hardest for. Yeah. yeah, like to have a twin, like it's not even just her sister, like her twin who you were with, like from the, the moment of conception, and like to go through, and that you get along with, and you go through life with, and you live with, and you go to college with, and like, and then to lose her in that way, yeah, is completely like earth shattering. And there's no right or wrong way to grieve that. And then I think also for a parent to lose a child, it's just, it's horrible. So everyone kind of like just goes into themselves. And I actually think in a lot of ways, Advika did exactly what her parents did. Just like losing themselves in their grief. They did it in India and she did in America. And it is, you know, more so on the parents to like reach out to their child who Mm -hmm. they know is suffering. But that's like... It's easier said than done, yeah. It does provide some good explanation also for how she could have so blindly gotten into the relationship with Julian because that was the first time she said that she felt any sort of like happiness, excitement, distraction. So it's Yeah, she's like, I'm going to go with this. Yeah. I'm going to follow this feeling. Exactly. Like coasting on the feeling without looking deeper until, you know, more time passes. So I actually think in that way, the author did a really good job of of creating a world like this grief and this world where Edvika could actually get do a lot of things that we might not understand or agree with and I'm just like she is going through it like yeah let Edvika live if she finds a man with a mansion on the ocean and she doesn't want to ask questions I'm not asking Mm -hmm. questions no I literally was like you should stay in this marriage it's good for you and just like forget about the past (laughs) like I yeah before the she, problem um, started when she started asking questions. yeah like if she never looked she could have had a really nice life <laughs> literally she seemed to really like julian they seemed to really like each other 
I feel like the author also really tried to make it that like she was attracted to Julian she had feelings for Julian and that like there was some of that there but he could have been like I don't know a little agree Jackie like that's what I was about to say it's like (laughs) at some point like over it's an arrangement 40 years older than you is a crazy number and like he was like it was kind of perverted not even but like he was like close to 70 no he was an old man and there would like be depictions of him where he's like has old man things going on like his scalp was burning because like and so (laughs) he was back spasmed and he like couldn't stand (laughs) yeah so they weren't like she wasn't trying to make it seem like it was like a like he was a normal sprightly guy i think there there was a clear age thing happening but to be and i don't think it needed to be that old except for the fact that he needed to have so many wives yeah but to be clear like that wasn't even her problem with him right I did like though how when she was deliberating about the child issue she said she didn't want to be held down she has a career she wants to pursue and then she was also like and by the way he's gonna die soon like he's friggin' old I don't want him to father my children I thought that was like a refreshingly true perspective that we were all thinking like who wants to have a baby necessarily with someone who only has a few years left yeah. oh I don't yeah. remember well, that, lead- that. that leads to our next question um that I have a lot of thoughts about too because Anu had very strong feelings about marriage, once describing it as an act of self-annihilation, all in the name of a fancy diamond ring and a joint checking account. Did this statement complement or conflict with your own views on marriage? How do you feel the concept of marriage in general evolved from Julian's first marriage to his last? So both of the sisters were kind of like against marriage, Anu more so than Advika, but Advika like never seemed super interested in marriage and then all of a sudden like she marries Julian and I feel like she literally made it a self-fulfilling prophecy that like marriage would be bad and controlling and like never it doesn't seem like ever really searched for like a true good marriage plus her parents had a good marriage so I don't know why they would just write it off as like this horrible institution yeah that's a good point I don't know why either and so I feel like for someone who's so marriage averse to then like get married in three months to clearly like a person that they're not a match a, a sure about it just felt not like something that would actually happen. 1,000%. It, this this story did not make me question the institution of marriage in any way, shape, or form. I'm like, it's such a farce, this entire start-to-finish relationship, marriage, whatever it was, that I really didn't have any deep reflection about marriage as an institution. No, if anything, I would further probe, like, Anu and Advika as to why they're so against marriage. Like, right. I, they didn't make a good case for, like, why it's so terrible, especially when they've had a really good example in their parents' marriage. Totally. Agreed. But, I mean, arranged marriages are big That's what in I was the thinking. Indian community. And I guess they just never wanted to, like, feel that. But... I don't there's all... You could do... You could get married from in other ways. Like, you don't have to write off the whole thing. The whole thing's not bad. And then you don't have to do the other extreme of, like, marrying right. Joe Schmo off the street in three min- months. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think Julian liked her? Or do you think he just, like, thought that she would give him a child? I think he liked her. Because I do I do think he liked her. But then, I, I don't know, towards the end, he kind of, like, was pretty much, like, you're a bad screenwriter and you're not interesting and you're, like, not that great <laughs> and you're not, and that, you're not that pretty and you're not that funny. Um, 
<laughs> but in the beginning, like, he seemed, like, intri- he liked her love of movies. But I also think he was really drawn to the fact that, like, at, when she was working the bar at that party, like, she seemed so enamored with the lifestyle and so naive. And that he thought, like, he could mold her into what he wanted. Yeah. And it came out that he was a waiter before he got famous. So maybe he saw something in her that he had in himself. Like, I do think he liked her, but agree was mainly driven by his desire to control her and have kids yeah julian in the early days of his relationship with advika frequently dismisses her questions about his past relationships do you believe it's important to focus more on the future than the past or do you believe looking to the past is the best way to anticipate the future explain i don't think it's the best way but i think you need to have all the information at your fingertips in order to move forward and make judgment calls go forward like i don't think that you should live in like la la land and try and just go and hope for the best when like the answer the questions that you may have like the answers may be answered if you just like i don't know do some research i don't think you need all of the answers like the level at which she went to find out about his exes and like reading all their biographies and looking at their films like that's excess no one needs to know that much about their current relationships ex-girlfriends but yes you should know the bare minimum the broad strokes Agreed. And I, I think it just depends on the person. Like, if you know this about yourself and you're like, I'm the type of person who functions on data and information and I won't be able to, like, move past this. I'll be fixated on it until I, like, have a clear sense of what the past looked like. Great. If you're not, ignorance is bliss. You just move forward and you trust the person. That's also great. And you when it's a public know figure. Thyself. Like, he has a Wikipedia page. Like, you might just want to know as much as the general public knows about your husband. Yeah, I would say you don't want to, like, live in La La Land, but you also don't want to live in the past. And I think for me, the way I would think about it is, like, did all of his marriages end for the same reason? Like, I would want to know what happened between each party and each marriage. Because at least if they're, like, ending for different reasons, like, there's growth and that doesn't mean that, like, the history is going to repeat itself and I'm just, like, the next woman. But that we could have our own unique relationship and that he's changed since his last one from his first one to his second to his third. So I think it's a bit of both of like acknowledging that there's a past learning from it studying the history but then foraging ahead and creating your own path and it's not a prescription for the future agreed I think she went way too hard on the past yeah learning about how Julian treated Evie throughout their marriage makes Edvika think of her own marriage to Julian and his reaction to her refusal to edit her screenplay what other parallels can you draw between Edvika's marriage to Julian and Evie's I just I think like the controlling nature of it like when Julian insisted that Evie do a certain type of movie become a certain type of actress similarly he had the same recommendations for Edvika's screenplay I think you should make these tweaks I think it should go in this direction so he definitely inserted himself in in an arena that wasn't necessarily his expertise that was one parallel and the baby, yeah. it sounded like from the one film that he really wanted Evie to keep a baby, whether hypothetical or real, and he d- deployed the same tactics with Edvika. Yeah. Also, this is kind of an aside, but something that I was also thinking, it's like when she was complaining that she lost like the UFO agent screenwriting gig and like at the time she thought it was because she decided to go to Turks and Caicos and like which would put her job in jeopardy but then it turned out like they uh Julian and the agent like pulled her from it it's like still you prioritize like your vacation over this job and you thought it was going to be waiting for you when it got back like I like that kind of bothered me me too I agree 
Like she didn't take it seriously enough. She's an imbecile. <laughs> yeah. As Edvika researches the former Mrs. Zelding, she learns how Julian used his power to stymie the careers of his wives, resulting in the diminishment of their work and legacies. Did this make you think about real-life instances of women in Hollywood and other industries who have been overshadowed or forgotten? Like, it reminded me of the me- a, Yeah. A true thing that happens, but, like, this book didn't, like, wasn't compelling enough to make me think, like, oh, what other husbands, like, took from their wives agreed and I was thinking about the me too movement of just how that was like a shakedown a little bit of Hollywood that we didn't get prior yeah and oh and I feel like it more so made me think to like all of these kind of what we call like grooming tactics of like finding like younger talented people and like power imbalances and like how someone could end up in this situation and kind of give away their talents or you know because they think someone's going to help them and people just kind of abusing that power made me think more of that and not of the talent that we haven't seen yet or didn't or were like I don't know take agreed uh next question Edvika's family struggles to understand her burning desire to pursue a creative career rather than a practical profession if you were Edvika's parent which way would you lean in the debate do you think it's more important in life to pursue passion or stability oh I was with her parents entirely like you're getting older this writing thing's not panning out I'm not saying abandon it completely but go get a stable job and do this on the weekends and at nights yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, do both. Figure it out. Like, get a stable job. And then also you can write on the side for sure. No one's stopping you. But, like, why Why is it your whole life? Like, you're, nothing's happening for you right now. Yeah. Agreed. I agree. I think it could be a bit of both. But also, eventually, you just need to be practical. And, and it doesn't work out for everyone. And the fact that ultimately, even when she had her freedom, she didn't go back to screenwriting says it all to me. Yep. A thousand percent. Yeah. Yep. Okay, great. So... Before we get to the end of the novel, I just want to talk about one loose end that we didn't, that we started to talk about. And that was his third wife, Victoria. And like, what the fuck happened between them? And I thought one of the like lamest parts of the book is that like she didn't have a prenup. And so instead she took from him an Oscar. Like, girl, you thought you slayed? Like, you could have gotten a couple million. Literally, you could have gotten a couple million. 100%. Yeah. And Advika was like, yes, like she showed him. Yeah, and that, like, she came out on top. I actually highlighted something um, from the book that just, like, summed up, like, my cringiness of, like, what of what was going on, if if I may. Please. I totally agree, though. Like, you thought you slayed. That is, like, the perfect. <laughs> and also, like, when Advika, like, had Julian backed into a corner and was like, I want this and this, and it was for her screenwriting credits and Nova's body of work, and, like, no money not like you thought you slayed (laughs) it's like like, honestly putting these women in an even worse light it's like oh this is what our negotiation power leads us like no ladies like get yours yeah be like put me in a movie make me a star like a million things could have been said I could come up with a bunch of ideas of what they could do that they didn't Jackie you're making me look through my notes and they're so out of control. Like when she blocks all of her friends, my note is excessive. <laughs> I don't know how to find like my highlights on this new Kindle. While you're looking, I'll say one of my cringy moments. I don't know why, but I could not handle the pop culture references to like 
too modern of songs. Like when she was like, we, we found, found love. love. <laughs> also, by the way, like I just have to say as someone who loves music so much and like I find that like the soundtrack to a movie is like so, so integral in telling a story. If during like a like montage sort of scene, like they play, played We Found Love. Like oh, that would be so no, and it's like on the same page. Kissing in Puerto Vallarta with an old man and a younger girl. We found love. Like, yep. Right. I don't think so. That's Here's how I quote. knew she was a fraud because I was like, that is the poorest recommendation I've ever heard. You I was triggered my- by we found love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So here when she's starting to like piece everything together, um, she said because she could now clearly see Julian's pattern of marrying women with the intention of them giving him a child. As he had gotten older, his wives became younger and even more importantly, had less clout and power. After an actress and a pop star than a reality wannabe, he finally landed himself a wife who was a pure nobody, someone whom he could control. He finally landed a nobody? Like, <laughs> and and like the, the, the sentence, like it sounds bad, but when you like break it down, it's like his pattern of marrying women with the intention of, having a family yeah oh that's what I mean I would read those sentences and be like Julian sounds great (laughs) yeah and just like with his previous wives Julian had sought to undermine Advika's career aspirations and keep her homebound she like didn't have a career yet but okay no more of this she fumed pounding the bed with a tight fist I am done so no more of being the wife that you signed up to be and continuing to screen right from your bedroom we're done it says it all that passage says it all there were so many that it's like I don't want to highlight them because I don't want them in my highlights because I don't I'm not like trying to highlight I like I actually sometimes go back and read my highlights and it's all like really like great quotes from books that just like stuck with me that I want to enjoy but I sometimes need it like for the redhead so like now that's in there (laughs) <laughs> no, literally, it's like all I have to do all day is like lay in these palatial bedrooms and have this excessive money. How dare he? And my husband wants a family. And he okay. said, he's like, I am not apologizing for wanting kids. Like, that's the whole reason we're on earth. Like, you're not going to make me feel bad about this. The only thing is they should have spoken about it before they got married. Yes. And it's like, yes. I don't know why Julian, it's not like six months he has to hide. Like, a lot of people, if you, a lot of women, if you said, like, do you want to have kids? They would say yes. And some would say no. And then he shouldn't marry them and force them into having kids. Another thing that was weird, loose end, is like, Mona and Aggie kept asking Edvika, like, oh, are you feeling hungry, queasy, this, that? Like, they thought she was pregnant before, mm. and she was. And oh, I yeah, just wonder if, like, they had, like, swapped her birth control or something. And, like, he had, like, sneakily gotten him preg- gotten her pregnant. But I feel like if that were true, then he would have pursued her even after the divorce being like, do I have a child? Yes. So that, that doesn't make sense. Also, her one of the takeaways is essentially like you can't have children and still have a career because I think that was a large portion of what she was so fearful of. She's like, I'm still young. I want to be a writer. I'm like, okay, like you still can. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Like it's not one or the other, especially uh, in certain creative fields. It's, it might be actually easier to than in other fields. Like yeah. writing. I'm not saying <laughs> like stay with writing. someone if you don't want to have them father your child. That's a whole different story. But like it like was more so like, what? You're going to block me from my career? And then yeah. she loved being a mom and it was the light of her life. It's like maybe you would have liked this had you followed Julian's. <laughs> right. Maybe Julian was right. onto something. Yeah. Okay. Well, our last question is, what did you think of the end of the novel? Did the epilogue surprise you? 
what it like did it bring it all to home for you or what I was surprised that she had a baby yeah, yeah I was too didn't see that coming I was I was like surprised baby I was also annoyed that she was like living in France like without not near her parents not near her friends like all these people mm-hmm. like I thought I, I feel like that was a takeaway from the book is like you have a great village of people and like lean into that and I just would have liked to see her like with Vic raising Anu in LA definitely like you didn't like being with Julian because you felt isolated and controlled but you're the most isolated you've ever been in France literally yeah but yeah the baby part annoyed me because it's just like you wanted to get out of this so that you could be unencumbered it honestly would have made more sense if she got an abortion I'm sorry like she didn't want to have a baby and then she had it as a single mother like it just it didn't track I felt like the end of the book just like was rushed I like it was like Four years later, baby, I live in France, and I am starting to write. The end. No, literally, like, at 95%, like, she still hadn't even met, like, the third wife. I was like, how are we <laughs> wrapping this up? What is happening? Yeah. Yeah. You're right about the fourth wife. I forgot about her. And Random. also, I was, like, I was going to sleep one night after reading about the first two wives, and I realized, I was like, oh, my God, the third wife is the only one who is alive. Like, she's going to get the tea from her. And, like, the fact that they never even really connected was kind of a bummer to me. It's like you should go and have a conversation with her and, like, actually find out everything about Julian, considering you just listened to an album, watched five movies, read a biography, watched interviews, when it's like there's someone here who knows more than you. Just saying. Okay, now let's get into the moral of the story. Justice for Julian. Ask questions. Take responsibility for your actions. Slow down. Patience is a virtue was my actual real one. Oh, okay. All good. What's funny, though, is this book is based on David Foster, like, in a very um, loose sense. And I feel like justice for David Foster. Right? That's like, right? I don't know. We have to talk to all of his ex-wives and do extensive research and uncover months worth of research. It's just like, (laughs) yeah. Okay, let's get into the Hollywood treatment because I actually think that this would be a good um, show or movie. Like it's because it is a good premise. So who did you have for Advika? I had Tia Sirkar, who is from one of my favorite movies ever, The Internship. She is on the intern team and she's so funny and I think she'd be great. I had Simone Ashley from Bridgerton. Oh, that's good, Count. Yeah, she's like was I was envisioning her the whole time. That's really good. I had Amrit Kaur, who was uh, Bella from Sex Lives of College Girls. Oh, that's a little good. young, but good. No, Dana, good. I like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I, my casting is in her forties, but she doesn't look like it. Um, I had Maitreyi Ramakrishnan, who was in Never Have I Ever, that show on Netflix, mm-hmm. which I also think a little young. However, she was so discombobulated and like all over the place that I was like, accurate, feel this. Also, it would take like a few years to get this movie made. So by then, she would be the right age. Totally. Mm-hmm. And then for Julian, I had Kevin Costner. I, like I had Harrison Ford mainly because I just watched Shrinking and he was like prominent in my head. That's good, Counts. That is good. I had George Clooney. Perfect. He wishes. 
I had Eric Dane because I think he's a oh little my God, bit he sketchier. He always plays like a creepy, like <laughs> older figure. Totally. But he's like, he's 50. He's not old enough. And But yeah, by the way, like that's not a weird older. Like he's like, I'd date him. Like yes. he's hot. But that's how old Julian should have been. Yeah. 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 You know, You're not right. like geriatric. Yeah. Yeah, like a cool 56. Also, can we talk about how, yeah. like, had she just stayed one more month, like, his heart crapped out and he had to get surgery and then he was just on bed rest. Like, she would have been fine. That's so true. I honestly was thinking about that. I was like, I wonder if he would have left her. Like, if she played it off, like, was he in love? I asked this a little bit earlier, but I was like, I wonder how he honestly felt about her. Like, if the time came, what the will would have relate right oh wow so true okay well we're gonna get into our rating of this book before we do I have to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by fast growing trees I love fast growing trees because you can breathe some life into your own backyard with fastgrowingtrees.com this spring from shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty let fastgrowingtrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast reliable shipping so I love fast growing trees because I found the perfect orange tree that I have growing in my backyard in Florida I wanted to get some citrus trees and I heard about fast growing trees through the toast actually and so I went to their website and what I love is that their website makes it so easy so basically you put in where you live they have and they'll tell you what zone you are and then they'll tell you what trees and plants like will blossom in your zone so you don't even have to worry like oh is this not going to bloom in Florida obviously the climate there not everything is going to grow but some things are made to grow in Florida like an orange tree So join over 1.5 million happy fast-growing tree customers, including myself. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash book now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash book. I actually get a lot of DMs asking like, what was that tree company that you guys were talking about? So we have a promo code for the redheads, fastgrowingtrees.com slash book, and that will get you 15% off. I'm telling you, it's like the easiest way to get into gardening, planting, and just having oranges on hand. I'm really excited to see how my oranges look when I get home. So if anyone needs some orange juice, come on over. Wow. A fusion of my two favorite things, planting and redheads. And fruit. And fruit. Bex, I you love need an to go to fastgoingcheese.com slash book. I, I'm literally typing in it as we speak. I feel like you're the target demo. <laughs> I was just about to say, I'm like, this is for me. <laughs> literally. Thank you, okay. Fast Trees. Let's rate this book. This is one of those times where the discussion of the book has made Ooh. me lower my rating, unfortunately. It's actually I made gave- me higher mine. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, so that'll even it out. I gave it a three on Goodreads, which I still would. But I think it was like probably would have been a three two, and now it's going to be a two eight. I was I actually rated it no. A three. I'm giving it a three. I'm giving it a three. That's what I did. Yeah, Crisp that's how three. I felt reading it. You bitches aren't going to bring me down. Snitch. I gave it a three. Wow. I gave it a three. I gave it a two nine. Great. This oh, wow. feels We're right. really all on the same page. Divided by four. Right. Our rating is a 2.975. Gorgeous. I have to go put it into our little filing system, which you know I'm just loving so much, this Redheads data. And we'll see where it ranks amongst the other books that we've read. So a 2.975 puts it right above all roads lead here. Dead. 
and right below red, white, and royal blue. Oh my god, that feels right. Whoa, that's you guys. Red, white, and royal blue was way better than this. It's ranked. Was it not? I agree. I agree. I agree. It's R- ranked. All roads lead here. Was not. I think it was. Thanks though. Yeah, this would make it number thirty-seven overall out of forty-two. Wow. Actually, we've read forty-three books. Maybe Claudia's isn't here. Yeah, Claudia's like isn't here because it wasn't a, an official choice. Mm. Okay, so that's our recap of Advika and the Hollywood Wives. I overall like enjoyed reading the book and I even like talking about it more, even though it sounded like we didn't like it. Like I had a good experience. I agree. I That was like fun to talk about. Yes. Yeah, there it, was a lot. That's what I mean. Like there was so much fodder in it. You yes. know, it was like there were things happening. There were we haven't had like a, a hilarious episode like this in a while. Like, honestly, the books that we've read recently, we've liked a lot and we've like unpacked them thoroughly. This, but was, they've like, also a little... been they've been a really safe, mm-hmm. yes, choices. Yes. And I feel like that's where we were starting to get in the last few episodes where it was like this book was good, no complaints. But like I I can't even remember it. You know, this was Agreed. memorable. This brought us out of the lull in terms of like hilarity. Yeah. Yeah. So now it is time for the other books that we read this month. Snitch, you read anything? I actually didn't, weirdly enough. Hmm. Bex? I actually didn't, weirdly enough. There actually was no time in between when we recorded the last episode, and now I think it was literally two and a half weeks. So I only read one book. I read The Soulmate by Sally Hepworth. She is one of our favorite authors here at the Redheads and at the Toast. Claudia and I love her. And she had a new book come out, so I course I had to read it and I'm so glad to say I loved it just as much as I love her other books she really reminds me of Leanne Moriarty one because they both write like from Australia New Zealand area and two they're like mysteries but also like women's stories family husbands murder drama cheating etc and this book had all of those things so I loved it I gave it I would give it a 4.5 Ooh, yeah Dana I was influenced by Jax to also read The Soulmate by Sally Hepworth, and I liked it a lot. I gave it a 3.7. It compared like pretty similarly to her other books, which I also really enjoyed, so I would highly recommend. Then I read The Half Moon by Mary Beth Keene. Loved. Gave it a 3.9. This is the same author as Ask Again, Yes, which is one of my Mm -hmm. absolute favorite books. So love her writing and love her as an author. And last, such a good book. And lastly, I read The Guest by Emma Klein. Loved. Can't stop talking about this book. Was so good. Gave it a 4.7. Emma Klein wrote The Girls, which was about a cult that I also loved. These two books I had been looking at for my pick last time, but they were on pre-order only. So I got a nice little surprise in my Kindle when they came at the same time the past two weeks. And I'm so happy with them. Dana just told me that she does that and I feel like it's such a good idea I so often see books that aren't out yet so I'm like oh I'll read it when it's out but then I completely forget Mm -hmm. about it I need to pre-order them so that the minute once they come out they're just on my kindle and I don't have to remember about them yes I have I don't first I'm hearing right I've never done it and I think I always knew that that's what like a pre-order would do but now I'm realizing how many books like have slipped through the cracks for me because I didn't order them when I found them I was like oh darn they're not out yet pre-order I also think of as a pre-order as like not existing with a Kindle but why wouldn't it you know like I'm I don't necessarily want a hard copy because I'm such a Kindle girly I think it's even better with a Kindle because you exactly get it the second it comes out exactly like and it's a nice surprise like you don't remember when the date is that it's launching and and all of a sudden it's there 
And then you have like books on your eye on your Kindle that you haven't read yet. Like, cause sometimes I'll find myself in a situation where it's like, oh my God, I'm out of books. But it'd be nice to have like books I'm interested in that just like show up on my Kindle. Completely. L- reading hack. Pro reading tip. hack. We, in- we invented pre-ordering. <laughs> Okay, well, thank you guys so much for another great episode of The Redheads. Before I let you go, we have to find out what we're reading next month. It is Becky's Choice. Bex, what are we reading? Ladies, next up, we are reading True Biz by Sarah Novick. Um, I'm so excited about this. Um, It's a coming-of-age novel about a group of deaf students at a residential school who must navigate the challenges of adolescence, disability, and civil rights. And interestingly, I learned that the title is an ASL expression, meaning real talk or seriously. And I think there's a lot that we could learn from this novel. And I read amazing reviews. I heard that people learn so much about a community that I feel like we haven't delved into in the Redheads Book Club. We have not. So I think it's a really incredible opportunity for us to learn something new and get a great read. I love that. Thank you for bringing that to us. I'm really excited. The reviews look really good and the description looks really good. So I think it's really promising. And we will see you in July, which is fucking crazy. Fucking crazy. Wait, you guys. That is so, so crazy because we're recording early. So I was like, oh, it's our June book. But it's our freaking July book. Not okay. And I wanted to make a plug for AI, which is funny because I found this selection by typing it into Bard which is like a Google's version of ChatGPT. And I was like, I love these books. What books would you recommend? And I learned about this selection. And they gave me a list of incredible books. You know books. that Emily, oh, Emily Halperin built a book recommendation like generator just for books. She hasn't pushed it live yet. I'm spoiling it. But where like she made a website and you literally put in like I like these books by whatever like what should I read and then it generates. I need that. That's yeah. genius. I'm gonna check out AI for that until Emily's site launches. But totally. I'm so curious, what books did you put in that led us to this book? I put in the Dutch House. I put Ask Again, Yes, and okay. so it like highlighted themes of like coming of age, like learning something new. Like I forget the themes, but like it was it was like these are well-written novels that highlight these themes based on it was so appropriate. And a lot of the books I had read, it was like where the crawdads sing, but like all of these books, I was like, these are so good. Oh my goodness. Okay. That's really promising. I want to do that for like other genres mm-hmm. now. That's so Same. funny. Cause my like mode of discovery for so long was just typing with quotes into Google search, all of the books I love to see if there was some list that had those on it. And this is just so much more direct. Yeah, so much you know more what direct. Claudia was say, talking about Dana today. I forget what about, and she called you Data Holtzberg. Lol, <laughs> <laughs> and that's literally you. And you need to get your book recommendations from a bot. That's so funny. <laughs> this bot is going to remember, change you. I need to remember why we were talking about you and Data, and we called you Data Holtzberg. <laughs> that is so funny. You are so Data. <laughs> you are. You're Data. <laughs> It's better than my current Danis nickname, so I'll take it. You're Dana Botsberg. <laughs> you're you're Data Interwebmin. Ooh. Data Worldwide Webmin. Yes, that's a better word. <laughs> I knew we'd get there. Okay, I'm going to let you guys go. Thank you, Redheads, for listening. Thank you, Redhead hosts, for hosting. Thank you, everyone who read this book and following along with us and just part of the community because we love you all so much. Make sure to follow us on Instagram 
at the Redheads, and we will see you in July, apparently. Love ya. Bye. Love ya. Bye.